0: Thank you, Lane, thank you, Ebeth, and the rest of you for coming. Let me pray and ask God to help us make this a useful time. Father, come now, I pray, and guide me and help me to uh, be a suitable instrument in your hand to make your word strengthening for faith and enlarging for vision and deepening for hope and intensifying for joy and a blessing in every way that this ministry needs it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So 50 years ago, 1968, I walked into a classroom at Fuller Seminary, a hermeneutics classroom taught by Dan Fuller, the son of the founder of the school, and everything changed forever. I learned a way of reading the Bible that has borne more fruit than I could ever dreamed, and I learned a way of relating the majesty of the glory of God to the longing for the happiness of the human soul that has made all the difference the way of reading the bible is called arcing you can go to bibleark.com and find out what that's about and the relationship between the glory of god and the happiness of man is called christian hedonism it is a breathtaking thing to me that in in one class (laughs) From one teacher, so much can change, and so many ripple effects can happen, but it it did happen. And now, 50 years later, I long to be the instrument in the lives of other people for that kind of change. What happened to me in the fall of 1968 that changed everything, touched every dimension of life, I want at age 72 to, I want that to happen for you right now and for as many people as possible, which is one of the reasons why we're down here and are talking to Crossway. I'm sure you share the same kind of Longing that your life counts for the permanent transformation of people, not just flash-in-the-pan changes. So, last week, I'm reading through the Bible. And in the book of Acts, coming toward the end, in chapter 26, I read this. Paul is commissioned by the risen Christ. I am sending you to open their eyes, that they might turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's verse 18 of Acts 26. And when I read it, Everything in me said, Could you just say that to me? Could you could you not let Paul be the only one that gets to own those words? I send you to open their eyes. I send you so that they can see staggeringly beautiful light. I send you that they can be liberated from bondage to Satan and cleave to God as their supreme. Treasure that they can have forgiveness of sins and become holy people. What a calling. So I read that and I thought, okay, that's what I want to talk about when I go down there to Crossway. As you know, you're well taught, that's impossible, <laughs> right? Human beings can't open the eyes of the heart. Human beings can't make Blind people see light. Human beings cannot set people free from the clutches of us, of this being called Satan. Human beings can't forgive sin. Human beings can't sanctify anybody and human beings can't awaken faith. So what's the point of commissioning Paul or me or you to do that? That's what we want to happen with our lives. I am sending you to open their eyes. Now, this ministry, Crossway, exists because you believe God uses human beings to do what can only be done by God. Right? I mean, that's why you work. You work because what has to be done in the world cannot be done by humans. And God has ordained to use humans to do the humanly impossible. Now, Paul did not leave us in the dark about how he thought it worked. You're sending me to do what only you can do. So how does that work? And he unpacked it in language that is remarkably similar to Acts 26, 18 in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 6. The God of this world. Okay, now we got Satan. That's the same. The God of this world has blinded. That's the same. The, uh, the, the minds of unbelievers, that's the same. They're not believing. They need faith in Jesus. To keep them from seeing the light, that's the same, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So that's the situation described in Acts 26, 18. It's going to be changed. It's all going to be changed by Paul who can't do it, because he's human. And only God can do those things. So Paul now, in verse 5 and 6 of 2 Corinthians 4, states the human agency and the divine agency. Human verse 5, divine verse 6. Verse 5, the human act. For we proclaim, what we proclaim is not ourselves, But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So we're going and we're proclaiming Jesus and we serve. That's our part. Proclaim. Verse 6. This is God's part. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light. So you, you go, Paul, and you open the eyes so they can turn from darkness to light. Because when you open your mouth, I am going to do verse 6. I will shine in their hearts to give them the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the God of the universe... In the mouth of a finite human being named Paul, or put your own name in there for the person you care about right now who's not a believer yet, and only can become one by God shining into their hearts. And now you're hearing this say, Go open your mouth, open your mouth, and light sovereign supernatural light will shine and the light of the knowledge of the glory of God will be given. And what does he shine with? He shines with the very thing that Satan is blinding these people to. When they look at Jesus, boring, mythological, They can't see him as beautiful. They can't see him as true. They can't see him as glorious. They can't see him as satisfying. They're blind. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So there's no glory in Jesus for the unbeliever and they can't see it as glorious. And that's what verse six totally changes. He shines, and he, he shines, he describes it in two ways. Verse 4, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then in verse 6, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, Paul, back in Acts 26 18, describes that happening. I am sending you to open their eyes so they can turn from darkness to see that light. And when he says, go open their eyes, five things happen. So in the miracle of Ephesians 117 calls them the eyes of the heart being enlightened. When the eyes of the heart are enlightened by this verse 6 shining of the glory of God, five things happen. Number one, they turn from darkness to light. You need to linger over that turning a long time and ask what it is what 's it like what's it feel like what 's it look like because it's not, it's not this it's no, there's nothing physical about it and you can't reach in and make your heart go what are we talking about what 's turning which ways darkness which ways light what organ is turning. So you need to linger. They turn from darkness to light, which surely means something like their whole desiring, longing, yearning flows in a new direction and is Suddenly, see, there's light over there. There's a light at the end of the forest, at the end of the tunnel. And you're just heading to light. That's beautiful. That's what I need. I need light. which they didn't even know a minute ago. They didn't even know they were in the darkness. Satan had made everything shine so glitzy in the dark. They didn't know they were in the dark. And now God has reached in and made Light happened, and this turning is a movement of the heart, it's a movement of the soul out to something glorious and beautiful out there. Second thing that happens, they turn from Satan to God. They had a master and they served him and they were blind, so they didn't know that the that this ebony brooch they had in their hand was a roach. And the eyes opened, yeah! He's a monster. I've been serving a monster. And over there is a bright, glorious Savior. He's not boring anymore. He's everything. And this is a monster trying to kill me and my family. That's conversion. It's called conversion. Turning from darkness to light, turning from Satan to God. Number three, when they move into that light, out of that dark, They receive forgiveness of sins. Everything they've ever done wrong, wiped away. No guilt anymore before the living God. Put your head down and go to sleep. How sweet is forgiveness of sins! Number four, they find a place among those who are sanctified, they find a lot, a portion among those who are sanctified. In other words, they're not just legally right through forgiveness, they're changed. What it says is, he breaks the power of canceled sin because it's first canceled and then power is broken and you live a new life on the basis of the cancellation, not the other way around. So that's the order here, right? Sin's forgiven, sanctification glorious that's our our gospel and the last thing is that it all happens through faith through faith in me now think about this because this gets at the heart of what I wanted to say to you Um, I said that when I had the longing that this this would be spoken to me at age 72 I would like to go open some eyes all over the world and around the country. I would like, in whatever breath the Lord gives me, I would like to open some more eyes to this light and set people free from this horrible monster called Satan. That's the kind of discovery. It's this verse that I just tried to open for you is what I mean when I talk about the the discovery and the, the permanent transformation I would like to see happen in in people, through the Word of God, I think now that I have a good warrant for saying to you who are not preachers mainly, you don't know, stand in pulpits, you don't have a a mantle on you that says, "Go." herald the word of God as your calling, but rather do it indirectly in your publishing way, I have a warrant from 1 Peter 2.9 to say, I think Acts 26.18 applies to all of you in its own way. Remember what he said there? Um, he said, um, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of God's own possession, that's all of you, that that you might declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you are in the light, freed from the monster, enjoying sight, your mission is to speak excellencies. Like, I'm in the light, I'm not in the dark anymore. Everywhere I look, light is shining on reality and I'm seeing things in a totally new way. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Those are the excellencies that every believer fills his conversation with, right? So Paul's not the only one, and I'm surely not the only one, who gets to enjoy the commission of Acts 26, 18. Now, circling back to what I was saying just a minute ago about faith, everything was by faith. What I discovered 50 years ago, and now see it again here in Acts 26, 18, is that saving faith, which is the way this verse ends, saving faith is the opening of the eyes of the heart to see and savor the beauty of Christ as our supreme treasure. That's what faith is. Or, say it another way, saving faith is beholding and embracing All that God is for us in Christ as supremely satisfying. So here's what I'm arguing. When it says, I'm sending you to open their eyes, that they might turn, turn to light and turn to God. I'm saying, when it gets to the end and says, And have a place among those who are sanctified and have forgiveness through faith in Christ. That's what that is. Those two phrases, turn from darkness to light, turn from Satan to God, is faith in action. That's what faith is. Let's say it this way. Um, When Jesus said, you're going to turn uh, from darkness to light he did not mean you'll find the light boring. When he said, turn from Satan to God, he did not mean, and you'll find God unsatisfying. If you find the light boring and God unsatisfying, you haven't turned. Which means faith has not happened. That's what faith is. The very turning to light, the very turning to God... As beautiful, as satisfying. That's what's like. I turn in yuck, I turn in boring, I turn in oh well, ho huh? oh, hum, out of hell at least. Which, by the way, you might have put the pieces together that I have spent the last 50 years of my life trying to help Christians be Christians, trying to convert Christians to Christianity. Because this is Christianity. Paul was describing the heart of faith when he said, I count everything as lost for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. That wasn't stage two Christianity. Like, oh, you, when you're converted, Christ is not valuable to you. Later, he becomes valuable. No way. It was saving faith that Jesus was talking about when he said, this is Matthew 10, 37, whoever loves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You're not saved if you love your children more than you love Jesus. And and mark this. That kind of love is what kind of love? It's the most endearing, cherishing, affectionate love there is. It's not deed love, like I've got to do some stuff for Jesus. That's why a lot of people think about loving God. I've got to do some things because Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. <laughs> that means the opposite. Loving Jesus is one thing. Keeping the commandments is another. And if this doesn't happen, that's not going to happen. That's not that. Because Jesus said, if you love your mom and dad more than me, you're not worthy of me. And if you love your children more than me, you're not worthy of me. That's faith. This is not stage two Christianity that maybe the saints, in a Catholic sense, achieved. But rather, this is basic Christianity. Christian hedonism says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure hidden in a field. <laughs> And I read this thing a hundred times when I was a kid and never saw the phrase apacara. And from his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. That's the kingdom of God. What does he mean by calling that the kingdom of God? Well, when God the King, Jesus the King, moves into your life and reigns, that's what happens. You say, Whoa, that's a treasure. Nothing I have compares to that. That's conversion. That's seeing light, turning to light, the kingdom of God or Christianity. Or to put it another way, Christian hedonism teaches that the pursuit of our deepest and longest happiness is an inexorable duty. And that this duty is discharged only when we find supreme happiness in God through Jesus. One last thing maybe. When uh, when I discovered this in 1968 in that class. That God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. What, what made it go deep, what made it deep and pervasive and permanent, I think, is that it wasn't just taught by God in the Bible, it wasn't just taught by God, it was taught by God for the glory of God. That's what I think rescued me and Christian hedonism from being sucked in to the self-centered, self-exalting, self-esteeming egoism of the latter half of the 20th century where I lived most of my life. And it was an ocean, a tidal wave of self, self, self. Of course, it's still here, but it It was building big time in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, and everything was self-esteem. And what kept, I think, Christian hedonism, which is all about the duty of pursuing your own pleasure, what kept it from being swallowed up in that egoism was God commanded it for his glory. And the reason you must pursue your happiness in God is because God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And his glory is at stake in your happiness in God and not your children and not your spouse and not your health. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than what? This is an ESV group. Let's start over here. This is Psalm 63.3. I'm not going to stop until somebody answers me. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than Life. life. Which means you can just let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abides still. His kingdom is forever. Make by day. That's the heart of Christian hedonism. That's the reality at work in verse 18 of Acts 26. So I close with it again. I am sending you. And may I just, in as much you, as you think 1 Peter 2.9 warrants every believer to experience a calling, something like Acts 26.18, you just own that now as I close and, and ask God to do it. I am sending you to open their eyes, that they might turn from darkness to a cherished light, a loved light, an embraced light, an enjoyable light, a life-giving light, a hope-giving light. That's what light is for the blind. And that they might turn from Satan to God. God as your treasure. God is all-satisfying. And thus in that faith receive forgiveness of sins and sanctification Father as uh, I think Justin comes to dismiss us now I just want to say thank you for him and the friendship he's been over the years thank you for Lane and Ebeth and how precious this friendship has been thank you for the whole team here who has been so instrumental in helping me do this verse and i pray your fullest blessing on all of them in jesus name amen